Welcome to the Vinyl Impressions Radio Show Syndication Podcast, where we bring you the groove and essence of radio, all wrapped up in the timeless charm of vinyl records. I'm your host, Martin Brown, and on this show, we delve into the world of radio, exploring captivating interviews with station owners, talented presenters, and visionary entrepreneurs. Join me as we uncover the secrets of successful radio promotion and discover innovative ways to elevate your online presence. Whether you're a station owner, a show presenter, or a DJ, our guests offer valuable insights and strategies to help you flourish in the digital age. To get in touch with the podcast or share your thoughts, drop us an email at podcast at vinylimpressions.club. For more updates and exciting content, visit our main website at vinylimpressions.club and connect with us on our Facebook page, Vinyl Impressions Radio. Jason Herring's journey in the world of radio and DJing sounds fascinating. Welcome, Jason. Fascinating? I don't know, but I guess we'll see what we make of it in this interview. Yeah. Can you tell us about your early days as an internet DJ in the late 90s and what motivated you to set up your own server in DJing, start DJing, and despite the initial challenge of having a few listeners? So it actually goes way further back than that. As a young child listening to whatever radio my parents happened to have on and just I guess I have one of those brains and you'll probably see that as we talk more where I enjoy things the way they come out and then for some reason I also want to understand how they work a good example would be our home radio station that played top 40 hits you hear the music you hear the DJs talk and then there's this Casey Kasem guy that comes on and he's counting down the hits oh wow that guy's cool I'm glad that we have him here in Baltimore where I was growing up Oh, now we're taking a road trip to a cabin that our family has in Pennsylvania. We're on a different radio station because we can't get that Baltimore radio station. Oh, they have this Casey Kasem guy, too. How do they do that? What is that about? And then that top 40 station went off the air. So it was like, okay, now what do I do? For some reason, I had a time period where I got into talk radio and... Of course, on the talk radio station was our local t- team, the Orioles baseball games. And then they're like, let's pause for station identification. I'm like, what? But I already know what I'm listening to. And then you find out later again, if you're somewhere else, wait, other stations have this too. How does that work? So it, it was all that like this radio stuff happens. How does it happen? And I want to be, I want to learn that. And I want to be part of that. So turn into then the radio DJs I grew up with listening to the stations and they're like these godlike people like booming through a radio no matter where you go and I'm like I want to be one of those people oh look there's this shoutcast thing and you can get these mp3s that are these music files I figured out on my own how to broadcast those and how to crack open a microphone and talk to people and at that time, I'm just like a teenager, so I don't have money, nor do I want to spend the money. So I just figured out how to do it free, which, as you saw my bio, was just setting it up like locally, like on my computer, on my network, which was another thing I self-taught, how to network stuff and host stuff out to the internet from my house. And then, yes, that was then, as my bio says, 
I was like, hey, everybody, tune in. And I see the numbers like, oh, cool, three people are listening. Oh, now they've all tuned out. Okay. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. So how so, did you feel when community-based internet radio stations started allowing you to broadcast? What were the key lessons you learned during that time? First, so the first part of the question is how did I feel about being getting into that community internet radio? Suddenly it was like, oh, I'm not such a freak. There's other people that are doing this same thing. They probably had that same journey. They heard their local stations. They were like, I would love to do that. Those guys, again, these godlike people are like playing the music they want you to hear. Of course, you find out later that no, they really were playing music that they were told we were supposed to hear. But we got into the internet. I got into this community of people like-minded. We all were like, check out this awesome song, giving you a flavor of their personality and what was happening in their neck of the woods. The first station I was on was largely UK based. So there were a lot of different accents to navigate. There were a lot of different words to navigate. And then there were people from other parts of the United States that were also on there. So again, it was getting those, those flavors of other cultures and other places that sitting in my home in Baltimore, I didn't have as much of an experience with. But as I went through that journey, you do find out that the internet is still a little bit clickish. <laughs> we all have like our school thoughts of which were you, were you hanging with the jocks? Were you hanging with the nerds? Were you just completely a loner who didn't want to either associate with any of them or they just didn't want to associate with you because you weren't nerd enough? You weren't jock enough. There, You get kind of those things on the internet as well. And you have to, you end up learning the same lessons from your life. It's who who can you trust? Who are your good friends? Who are truly the ones who are like-minded? Because when it turns out, once you get to know people more, some people might have different motivations. Some people might have different people that they are aligned with. You'll have a, oh, you you were mean to this person and I'm their friend. So therefore I don't like you anymore. And I'm going to go leave and start my own station, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like high school. starting your own station is a significant endeavor. What were the biggest challenges you faced when setting up and running your own station and how did you overcome them? So setting up was actually the easiest part. Mm -hmm. We all had come from other stations. So we all got a little bit of that flavor of here's the things that do work. Here's the things that don't work. There's probably not as much in the shoutcast landscape these days of like companies that you can go to for hosting. Back then, it was this endless landscape and every one of them were charging about the same amount of money, but it came down to, oh, yeah, when I was at this station, they were using this provider and every week the server went down and we couldn't reach anybody in support to get it back up. Or our our listeners are like, wow, you guys are like buffering like a lot. Like there's a lot of skipping and stuff and you'd get support online immediately and they go, it must be something with their internet because there's no, there's we're not seeing any problems here. And we're like, yeah, but these are people in all different countries using all different internet. So it can't just be their internet. So you, you also learned that kind of thing when you were opening a support ticket, like what questions they're going to ask. So you can just go ahead and say, look, we've already had them reboot the routers. 
we've already checked this. We restarted the server with this. Look, we're pinging your server. It's guy. It's timing out. It's not their internet. Stop it. So the technical stuff was pretty much figured out. So again, it was the personality dynamics. Mm-hmm. It was who was there to run a successful station and work with everybody together and who is there for whatever their motives might be for their own stroke in their own ego, which I guess all of us were doing that. But some of it was just, again, it's have that click, bring in all of your friends. But then if one of your friends doesn't like how things go, and maybe that is a friend who's, I want to be an op at the station. What do you really bring to it? I just want to be an op. Like I, I deserve it. I've been here long enough. And you learn that those kinds of people are just no, no good. It's interesting how we got probably a thousand DJs out there, <laughs> presenters. There's a difference mm-hmm. between a DJ and a presenter, I'm told. So there we are. Who's, and they've all been through pretty well the same type of thing. They've got, mm-hmm. this, of course. But could you share some insights into the process of automating your radio station? What benefits and drawbacks did you encounter while experimenting with this automation? Because so many people are going through the same thing and been through the roadblocks and sorted them before before they all get to and that did by the way start with uh, one of those uh, again kind of personality conflicts with somebody at the station we each had we had a guy who would he would record all the shows and he apparently never slept and at the end of the day like when everybody went to sleep and he was still awake he would just take all the shows that he recorded and just put it in a replay loop so it was manual but it was was keeping programming going and then personality conflict, he left the station. So then it became, okay, how do I replicate what he did? First thing, obviously, again, really cheap guy. What can I get? That's like a free solution. So there, I don't know if it's still out there, but I know I have a, a copy of it because I save everything called stream ripper, which for some reason they decided to call it uh, stripper S S tripper. <laughs> which I've changed the name because I just, no, that's just not right. And at the time we were in our IRC based chat room. I don't know how many people can claim that you're going to talk to. And everything in the chat room was based on, you could type a command in. So if you wanted to accept requests, you would type like requests on or exclamation requests on something like that. And then the bot would know that you want requests. And when people send requests, you'd get them like in your private message window. So you didn't have to like search through a big chat room, but also you could use it for stuff like if the auto stream is playing music or replays, whatever it happens to be, you'd hit a trigger like on air, exclamation on air. The exclamation on air would drop the auto stream. And it would start recording the stream automatically. Mm-hmm. And then you do your show. It even was like grabbing all of the song tags. So when a replay would happen, everybody would still see the song tags. It just oh. wouldn't be like DJ name show this date. Maybe we'd have the whole day of programming or somebody would go off air. They'd come back on air later, but we just keep a running replay until the time period where we wanted the replay to run, which that again, added a lot of complexity to it. So the base was on air, record your show. Later on, when somebody hits off air, it just replays the shows. Then it became, okay, we have gaps in the schedule. I don't want the replays to start. I have a Windows batch file that just, it knows that at at 2 p.m., I want to play Martin Brown's Vinyl Impressions. So set a flag so that when they hit 
off air instead of playing the replays it goes to the folder that's got martin brown's vinyl impressions and it plays that at two o'clock and then later on at night set the flag back or just remove the flag and then it knows okay now i'm just going to do normal replays so that's where that all started and now i'm messing with it by back then it was just winamp Again, I don't know if anybody can remember when claim well. remember, yeah, I still have it right here. <laughs> Always in the corner of my screen. <laughs> nice, nice. I started that stuff in Winamp. And then one of the big things people were using for a long time when I was using Winamp was Sam Broadcaster. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when I was using Winamp on a Windows XP machine, and that was the easiest way to use Winamp because you could just set your recording stuff so you could talk over the music and stuff. Mm. But most of the other flavors of Windows didn't have that ability. So I ended up going to Sam Broadcaster and then it started all over. It's okay. Sam Broadcaster. Let's see. That's a little different than Winamp. You can't just run like a command line that says Winamp and then the playlist you want to run. And then you, you could stack them up too. You could be like Winamp and then this playlist and this play. And it would just, it would open Winamp and it would play them. Sam can't do that. So then it was, okay, what automation can I do in Sam? And more importantly, for some reason, when you um, do your, when you record your shows, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Stream Ripper, you can't do it the same way as you can with Winamp because for some reason, all of the tags come up, say it's, let me think, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Instead of the tag being Journey, Don't Stop Believing, it's question dash question apostrophe question (laughs) like it replaces all the letters with question marks so i had to figure out how to record those differently so that again the tag would be like that and now i'm messing with there's a a liquid soap Mm -hmm. which which is a a unix-based solution for radio broadcasting there's a couple softwares uh azurecast is one of them that uses that as like its back end and AzoraCast is extremely user-friendly graphical interface. I actually have a couple stations using that, but I've got also a couple using the Liquid Soap, which is super, super like basic. It's just really, it's just shuffling a playlist, but I'm working on figuring out how to have it, like put different playlists in at different times. I know there's a way to do it. I just haven't figured it out yet. So it's just that, con- it's that continued like trying different stuff. Ooh, that doesn't work right. Let's the last thing I want to say too with the automation. So a lot of the syndicated shows that I do right now, they they'll put it on Dropbox. In your case, the sync.com and then the old way. Sometimes they just email you something from WeTransfer, which is a super pain because it's so manual. But they don't have a consistency in that I guess they don't realize that there are people doing automation. Like they figure you're just manually pulling it down and then dropping it into a playlist. So like they'll call the file something different over time, which breaks the automation because the automation is expecting to be called a certain thing. And then suddenly, hey, why isn't it picking up? Oh, because they added the to the beginning of the file name. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I'm guilty of this. I've I've recently started taking on guest presenters and mm-hmm. everybody's got a different system or they've been yep. radio stations. And every radio station has got a different system. Some really high end pieces of equipment, which is amazing. But mm-hmm. most of the Internet radio DJs, they can't afford to get into that and nor do they want mm-hmm. to. They're doing it for, for the fun of it. They enjoy mm-hmm. it. 
they just want it to work. Moving on from that, podcasting has become a popular medium over the years. How did you transition from running a radio station to producing podcasts, both for yourself and for others? So one of the automations that I had going on was an on-demand. It would record everybody's shows and it would actually automatically update them to an FTP server. And then the website was set to just pull that file down. That stopped working. And I also realized like nobody really consumed the shows that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But people definitely do consume shows in a podcast format. Most phones come with some kind of podcast. I don't know if readers, the right term, but podcast listener. And I think that's how most people consume their shows is like they subscribe to the stuff that they want and they get the notifications pop up when a new episode comes in. And then I guess they either can make the decision at that point to listen to it then, think about it later, add it to a playlist, whatever they want to do. So that was, I felt like that was the more user-friendly version for people to consume some form of my shows. Mm -hmm. The shows that I tended to do that were live could be long and rambling and sometimes go nowhere. I'd get people that were like, let me call into the show. Okay. And they call in. So what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I just want to call into the show. What's going on, man? I didn't want any of that kind of stuff. I wanted it to be a short, succinct. I think actually the description of the podcast actually says people often ask me what I play on my shows. This is the answer. And it's, the version of just here's the music and then I'll come in every, I don't know, 10 songs or something. And I'll have a 10, 15 second quip. And then I'll just go back into the next ones. Mm -hmm. Now, when I started doing that, a friend of mine that used to call into my radio show a lot was like, Oh, we should, since that seems to be working for you, because for some reason, a lot of people download my podcast and I don't know where these people come from. I don't know what they're searching, but I'll get the downloads like a day after the episode drops. And I, I don't promote it like that. So I don't know what those people are searching for. I told my friend who called into my show a lot and next thing we're doing like these almost like fireside chat type of things where we just set up the recorder and we just riff about whatever and then I somehow turn it into an episode. Actually, I ended up turning it into four or five episodes. Like I'll cut it up into parts and try to try to keep like topics together so that it has some sort of flow to it because we tended to go all over the place. Yeah. And the last thing that ended up happening was a couple of years ago, I got back in touch with an internet radio station that I used to be on called AKA radio. There's a banner over there. And I just floated out the idea of doing a podcast to at the least have something out there into the internet sphere to put their name out there to promote them, whatever. It was going to be largely a kind of highlights of different shows that aired over the week or a couple of weeks or whatever. And instead what happened, it got taken over by a guy that started the station, but then quit and handed the reins to somebody else. And and now he's back and he uses it largely as his comedic playground, I guess is the right term for it. Cause he is a stand-up comedian. And so I think he takes some subjects that he either wants to talk about on stage or never got the, the guts to talk about on stage. And he, he, we turn them into little like comedy bits wow. or just have little conversations about them and just riff with whatever funny things come to mind, which because it's a podcast, if they don't hit well, I just edit them out. <laughs> that bad joke never happened. 
it doesn't have to be jokes. It can be just based on the situation around you. And that, mm-hmm. that is funny in itself. And if it isn't yes. funny, comedians can make it funny. So they yes. can look at it from that, that different angle and a different view. And yeah. I, I and do we, love we have, those, what you were talking we have, about on the we have a Sorry, we have a pretty good relationship where like he'll come up with a basic concept and maybe he'll write some lines and then I'll read it and I'll be like, okay, that's pretty funny, but we could probably add this line here or this subject here to make it even funnier. And then he's, oh, that's good. And then he comes up with something else to add on to it. And then we just, we, we build that baseball bat of comedic possible genius. In our minds, it's comedic genius. I don't know how everybody else feels, but we love it. Brilliant. I do love the conversational style of podcasting as well, where you're almost just sat down chatting a couple of mates and you're just chatting away. Mm-hmm. It forms, I know it's done in the editing, but it does form the basis of a very entertaining show. And they're, they're my favourite type. And personally, moving from Maryland to Florida, that must have been an exciting change. How has the transition influenced your approach to radio presenting and what unique opportunities do you find in your new hometown? I feel like I gave you some information that led to that question. Yes, um, you did a little bit of research, but your bio was wonderful. I enjoyed reading yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. So everything I've told you thus far has been in the internet radio sphere, doing something that's like a regular radio thing, but not with a regular radio type of audience or with a regular radio type of project. I did some search. There's a really good website. I, I don't know that it's got anything for the UK on it, but for the US, it's called Radio Locator. Mm-hmm. You can throw in a zip code or a town. You could throw it if you're really if you're really curious, you could be like, I want to know every radio station in the entire United States that's at the frequency 98.9. <laughs> I don't know what good that would be, but I went on that site and I searched a couple of the zip codes that we were going to possibly be moving into. Mm-hmm. And what I was looking for specifically was community driven, low power FM radio stations. So I don't know if they do this in the UK. But here there was a time period where the FCC was selling frequencies to local government, churches, anybody that could basically say, I'm a community organization, and they could get a a low power FM signal that would be like a focused into their one area. Like you drive out of that area, it's gone. But within that area, it's strong and they're serving the community. There were a couple of those near where I used to live in Maryland, but like within an hour or so away. So I'm like, I want to find one that's closer than that when I move to Florida and see if I can get a show on the air and or help it anyway, basically. So I talked to a couple of them ahead of time because we didn't know exactly where we were moving yet. Once we got settled in, I reached out to the one that was closest to our area, which over that, nope, that shoulder... (laughs) Hold on. It's backwards. Sunshine, 96.7 FM, St. Petersburg, Florida. They are a community radio station, like I said. They do a lot of local interest stuff. They cover local sports, local news, and then they have a fair bit of syndicated stuff from PRX and stuff like that. They've got a growing list of not only local musicians that they play on the air, but local DJs as well that present those local musician shows sometimes in a thematic way. 
And if one of my favorites is Fiona Frenchie, she does the women of song. It's all local Florida women artists performing songs. Um, Yeah, that's one of my favorite shows for sure. And Fiona's a little bit crazy. And I mean that in a good way, Fiona, in case you hear this. Um, and right now I'm not actually doing any shows on Sunshine 96.7. It's, it's going to be an eventual thing. They had a guy, uh, I can't remember his name now. It was Rick something. So he was one of the guys that was on those offshore barge pirate radio stations oh. in the UK uh-huh. uh, that broadcasted the rock and roll music over to the shore. He was one of those guys. So he has now retired, but they bought the station from him. And he was doing when I first tuned in a show in the afternoons where he was just going through, hey, here's who's performing at John's Tiki Hut tonight. And here's who's going to be performing over at Bahama Breeze. Uh, And then he'd play like stuff from their catalog from those people. I would like to start that show back up now that he's retired and maybe get a little bit more, have a Zoom meeting like this and meet with buddy whoever for 15 minutes and just ask him some standard questions or maybe get a bio from him and ask some questions based on his bio. And then I can be like, oh, here's John. He's performing at the Tiki Hut this weekend. We recently met with him and talked about insert whatever topic, his favorite places to perform or his favorite place to go on vacation. And here's a song where he's singing about his favorite place to go on vacation, do that kind of presentation. Right now I'm learning yet again, more about automation and stuff like that. They use a site called radio.co, which I do not recommend because of what their technology has its limitations. If you want, if your show that you've thrown into the playlist spot is one hour and five seconds it's going to cut off the last five seconds of the show there's no oh i can wait for that to finish and then the next one actually there technically is but it doesn't work the way it's supposed to but i'm helping them with that including some automation behind the scenes the guy that runs the station joe bordeaux still has a regular job so he's he takes several hours out of every day to grab all the stuff from we transfer Dropbox, sync.com, all of the places that it's coming from to make sure the playlist for the next day is in. I'm trying to help him do some automation in that so that he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to pull the stuff. And also I figured out yet another free program called C-Mail that will literally email us if it can't find a file for the broadcast that it's looking for. And it'll also email us if it can find it and it'll do a DIR to show you, oh yeah, here it is. And it's the one that was pulled from today at 5 a.m. It's not like pulling an old copy of it, stuff like that. That's been fun. Learning new stuff on WordPress. WordPress is a good website program to have. I My own station, I use it and I use it sparingly. And then Joe comes to me and he's, I need a frame that does this or can you make it display this? And then I have to... Google and look for plugins. And then usually the first one I put in doesn't work right. And then I have to figure that out. So that's that again, plays into that whole, I want to know how stuff works Mm. and sunshine 96.7 definitely helps me with that. I I definitely use word for most of what I do, but pretty well all really, to be honest, is a one or two projects might go elsewhere, Mm -hmm. but the the only thing with word is amazing. If you want it to do something, you can get it to do it. 
but mm. you rely on plugins, which most of us do. If they're not supported 100%, they are the root cause of all the problems. And yes. put everything down to a plugin once it, once I find it and then find out how to alter it. But so, it's gotta And be- it's amazing, right? Because that one plugin can bring the entire site down if it's not compatible. <laughs> I've had that. I've got it. I use a control panel that goes out to about 105 websites and that tells me which one's doing what. And sometimes we do an update too early and a whole raft of sites go yeah. down and they're all complaining, banging on the phone. What's going on? And it's always oh, a plug-in. We'll get it. Anyway, throughout your career, you've engaged with different types of audiences, it seems, from the early internet days to community-based radio and now a small community radio station. And do you tailor your content? How do you tailor your content to suit each audience's preferences and interests? Uh, so amazingly, you've not caught my 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 bad language that I tend to. Uh, <laughs> I oh. spout a lot of curse words. How I've been able to curb that, I do not know in this interview. So with with the main stations that I go live, like it, none of them care like what the language is. It's whatever comes to mind immediately comes out there's no filter with the <clears throat> podcast so all of my blurbs do get recorded on the fly but since it's not coming out live i can pick and choose so if i do curse i usually beep out my curses or remove the spot with the curse if it makes sense to the music still goes out uncensored because i feel like that's probably less jarring than your presenter just suddenly going on a rant for some reason um We're reserved in the uk we don't like any swearing you can't say that really no. <laughs> and, um, yeah we, we've got to be very careful in fact when i play a yeah. rant, i'm annoyed if it's got a curse in it because i've then got to go and use my yeah. that tiny bit just for the sake of that and when i want to use the song later on i've got to do the same thing again now yeah so it frustrates me because but my audience just wouldn't like it they take me off yeah that's yeah because i guess do you most of your presentations make it on some kind of hospital radio stations too yeah. right that's how it all started i've got a hundred yeah. of them i think so you've got to be so careful. What I say, I, it's got to be generic, totally generic. Have an opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing, especially nothing political. Ooh. It, Which reminds me. <laughs> so the latest podcast that I do, actually, it's not true. It's the, no, not that one too. It's AKA podcast is the one that's associated with AKA radio, the one that I came back to. That has a lot of political commentary in it, a lot of cursing in it. And that kind of is what that audience expects or I see, or we just don't care. It's really, it's our biggest creative arm. It's it really, we lay bare all of the stuff that's bothering us, all of the stuff that it's just, we have to talk about this. We can't not talk about this. So that one gets very few censors. Mm-hmm. We pulled a clip of somebody using some, some racial language that we're like, okay, we, that probably won't sit well so we'll go ahead and beep that one but for the most part it'll go straight through and uh, a movie review podcast has come out of that i guess it's a movie panel podcast and that has a lot of that kind of element too because there is elements of movies these days where they feel like they have to have certain things in them to uh, be popular for certain audiences and so we do 
rip a lot of that up of why did you feel you needed to do this movie maker? And one of the hosts of it tends to be like, here's what you should have done. Here's what would have made a great movie. And they come up with something where it's, well, I would totally watch that movie. But it's at the expense of, yeah, you're going to probably make some people angry. (laughs) So radio presenting requires creativity, adaptability. How do you keep your content fresh and engaging? And how do you stay up to date with the latest trends in the industry? Ah, that's the toughest question. Okay. So my live shows, I've pretty much been doing the same way since I started them in 2013, probably 2013. No, 2004, 2004. Sorry. I can guarantee it's super outdated and I don't really care, but the, the one, the AKA podcast that I was talking about, that is 100% driven by current affairs. So that's just a matter of keeping up on as much news as possible, uh, obviously from different sources, because some aren't going to report certain things that others are reporting and vice versa. So you have to get all sides of it, which can be, can really kind of mess with your psyche after a while you feel bad about the world. I think that's almost why that comes out the way it does too, is because we have a little bit of anger that we even had to read those things or see those things. And now we have to talk about them. So that's probably why that's the biting podcast. That's how we keep that one current. Like I said, the movie one, we're trying to watch more current stuff, but we do watch old stuff too. And we do compare the two, right? It's all that would, that thing that happened in that movie that could never happen in a movie these days. Like they wouldn't let them do that. People again would be offended or protest or whatever it might be. So that certainly has a current as well. Got trends in the industry. I don't know. I feel like almost at this point that I don't do what the industry does. I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm almost doing, I-, I think I'm almost doing what the, what I told you about the movie podcast where the guy's like, if I were doing a movie, I'd do it this way. I almost feel like at this point, I'm like, if I were, if I had my own radio station, I would do it this way. Um, which that's another thing that's in my mind. I have a friend that's, he's always got different projects he's got in mind. And he's, oh, this low power FM station just went up for sale. We can buy the transmitter and the, the license. We can't buy the building. We'll have to figure that part out. We can just drop like $10,000 and we'll be all set for at least a year. Yeah, you got that money? No, I was hoping you did. <laughs> but if we did, like it would not be like a normal radio station. One of his things is he's big into like punk music and ska music. And you can't get that on radio hardly anywhere. Even the satellite radio company here, Sirius XM, they had a, a punk station for, for a really long time and they replaced it with a talk station and they did move the punk stuff onto their internet tier, but you can't get them on the actual satellite radios, which kind of breaks the whole purpose for having a satellite radio. So even that, so he, he wants a station that has punk rock and he, he wants... He wants a station that nobody out there is doing, and that's probably because it would, wouldn't have any kind of profitability to it or anything, but it goes back to the spirit of what I've been doing the whole time is none of these things I've told you, uh, I'm, make, I'm not making a cent from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all been money that end up I end up sinking into it if it's something where I need to sink money into it, if I can't find some free alternative. And that's just enjoyed in that way. I, I don't expect any money ever from any of it, but I enjoy the the final product and I hope other people out there do as well. And 
I, I could set up a, what's the, what's the place where you can run campaigns for people like a Patreon or something, but I'm sure that's, that will make a couple dollars. <laughs> With the community radio, is there any sort of regulation that would keep you in order should you decide to do something? I know on YouTube, for example, Mm. they take your video down if you say Mm. something about the medical industry that the media have been blocked from reporting on. And it's so sensitive, isn't it? So you have to be so careful, certainly in the UK. Yeah. For Sunshine 96.7, I would just be doing a, a, a music show anyway so i wouldn't be hitting any of those kinds of topics and i already know that because of that mouth that i told you about i would probably never do a live show on there mm. uh, radio.co does let you do lots of voice tracking and, and playlisting ahead of time so i would again do that kind of thing where i would record my stuff ahead of time if i'm like yeah it didn't sound right i said um and ah too much and of course, I tend to go in and I can edit those pretty easily. And I could see in the waveforms like, oh, here's where I took a big deep breath or I coughed. Just zoop, zap that right out. Uh, so I would really do it that way so that nothing that came out from that would be controversial for at least when people actually hear the final product. They, you they don't know what went CDs. into it. The music that you use, is it CD based or is it DAT or, or on the computer? It is all on the computer, on their website too, for all of the Florida musicians. They have an email address that they send their MP3s to. And they t- tell them to please tag them correctly and make sure that they're in a good sound quality format for air. And uh, yeah, they get all that stuff and they just drop it onto the radio.co server and set up the playlists and the rotations as they wish. What's the ideal kilobits you use? Is it uh, just got to be above 200 or something? I think we asked him for 320. Let me, let me look at that. When I get shows sent in to me, they're all different qualities and you can. Yeah. And the higher, the better. But of course, it takes up right. some room. But room isn't an issue like it used to be with your hard drive. Right. Put an album on and it's full up. <laughs> Collaboration, and you've spoken on this already, is essential in the world of radio and broadcasting. Could you share a memorable experience when you collaborated with someone and how it impacted your work? So I have had the joy of, on many occasions, going and meeting the people that I've done internet radio with. Mm -hmm. So some of the UK people were up in Pennsylvania visiting one of the other DJs. So there was a group of, I don't know, like eight, eight to 10 of us that were that were going around Philadelphia and just having good conversations, good times. We would always try to meet in a room together and do a broadcast, which usually sounded awful, but in person it was really fun. I so that was that one. Another guy that I was DJing with, I he was living in Rockaway Beach, New York. So him and I would take turns visiting each other. And he was the one that really taught me that whole world of the the comedy radio bits. Like he taught me all the tips and tricks about, oh, if you're doing an edit and it's like super, like it cuts like in the middle, he's like, just do a little fade in right at the beginning. Just make it a little fade in. It's not as jarring. They can't even tell and how to put in sound effects and the, the level things out, balance things out. So uh, we came up with a, a bunch of great comedy bits. And again, that was a good friendship. And then the banner behind me is actually, we just had our third year on AKA where we went to a location that was near somebody and then hung out for a weekend, did a show again, made some memories outside of the 
on air, which we could then share on air later. So the, the last one was actually down here. The one before was in New Jersey. And the one before that was near Chicago. I believe we're doing West Virginia next year. And again, it's near all our DJs. A lot of people get to also experience those areas. And just we have a really good core group of people that, again, we've made friendships and we collaborate in the same room, which is so different from collaborating when the, the box is on the screen. I think we get a little bit more understanding about each other and some sometimes when things annoy us about each other, but... <laughs> It's, that's how you round the relationship. That's how you get to know everybody. Huh. <laughs> As a, a radio station owner and presenter, you've likely seen the industry change over the years because you've been doing it all while. What do you envisage for the future of radio and how do you see community-based stations fitting into that future? The future might not be so bleak. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is that, so here we have the big conglomerate radio station owners. So you've got your iHeartRadio. You've got, oh, I don't even know who's left after iHeart. Like they've swallowed up so much, but they're finding themselves having a lot of financial difficulties. They're finding themselves losing the big audience because one time they were like, satellite radio is like, oh man, who's going to pay for radio? Whatever, these people are dummies. And then people, a lot of people started paying for radio and they went, oh. So that was when they invented the concept of HD radio, which I think you guys just call like DAB, like digital audio broadcasting like that. Yeah. So they invented the HD radio concept where you started having the digital signals and then there were the sub channels where you would just click one up on your local hits radio station. And there they might have a punk station or they might have a sports station from another market. Um, and I, I can guarantee you if I ask 10 people in this town what HD radio is or if they listen to an HD station, maybe one of them will know. It is a completely failed concept. I love it because most of the HD stations don't have commercials. So you just you can drive down the road and not have to worry about that. Most cars still don't come with it. Or if they do, people don't know what it is. So they don't mess with it. Completely failed concept. So it's okay. What's left? Actual local radio, because you can go to, and that was a beautiful thing about the early days of radio too, is that you were excited picking up radio from another another state or dri- driving down, driving to a different place and being like, oh, what radio stations are there here? Because there would be this local flavor. Here's this wacky guy with a weird voice who's really entertaining and he's playing a song you've never heard before. Now you can literally a lot of times hear the same voices because they just voice track and they send it out to six different stations throughout the United States. <laughs> and, but they don't say, Oh, I'm this network show. It's, no, I'm Joe Schmo here in the studio from the top of the insert, some kind of local reference here. No, he's sitting at the same place and wherever he is in California, and he's just putting all these recordings out. So the community radio stations are the only ones that still have that local flavor that they literally, they're still going, Hey, I'm here at the grape and vine on main street. Come on down and say hi. And here we got some local performers. We're going to play some of their stuff now, or we're going to broadcast them live right now. Like there's, 
they're the only ones doing that kind of stuff now. And I can even say on the internet side of things, although again, it hasn't turned out too well, but we've, we've broadcasted live from stuff. A station I was on that unfortunately they've gone now, they, they had some agreements with some local venues where they broadcast stuff from them all the time. Like they gave them like a line right off of the board. And they just ran through their laptop onto the stream. A a friend of mine who's a musician would have a party at his house every year with all his musician friends. And they just jam the entire day. I would broadcast that live with varying, as I said, varying results of what the sound sounded like. But yeah, you're not getting that again on an iHeartRadio station. Like the best you get is iHeartRadio Music Festival. But guess what? Every station's getting that. Mm -hmm. Same exact music festival from wherever it is. And um, people... in this country seem to get fed up of the advertisements. They appreciate that they need them to pay mm-hmm. for the station, but they, they're allowing, the government are allowing more and more time to be given to advertisements. And whereas you used to get the ad break every now and again, now you get almost 12 minutes, I think, in a row, apart from maybe the traffic news in between after six minutes. We're spoiled in the fact that we've got the BBC and they don't run ads. So when a really popular presenter or a group of presenters leave the station and go to commercial, they all follow them, but don't stay long. They come back to the BBC because you cannot do a continuous music and chat without those same ads blasting you. And there is this thing, a bone of contention with with the advertising. You get the odd supporter. Somebody say, this show is supported by, and they're fine, but it's the ones where they just get greedy Mm -hmm. almost and just plaster wall-to-wall advertisements. Do you still get that, or is it just the communities that are, are running without ads? So that that's another one of those things. So those iHeart stations, they used to be like that. And actually, so there's there were two ways to go about it. Um, they would sell, I believe they sell something like 12 to 18 minutes of commercials an hour, mm-hmm. something like that. Probably it depends on if it's a drive time or if it's just like a random middle of the day. So some of them would play three songs and then take a quick commercial break and then two songs, take a slightly longer commercial break. And then, oh, 20 minutes of continuous light favorites. And then they play those and then they'd fill in the rest of the hour at that point. So they got all their ad breaks. We are so used to that kind of stuff here because also, and I said I had a a talk radio time period, they were, for talk radio, it was maybe a 20 to 25 minutes ads per hour. So what they would, what one of the shows I would listen to would do is they would broadcast for an hour and a half straight and then they drop all the ads in. So you'd you'd have to wait like a half an hour to 40 minutes to come back and hear the rest of the show. But you got your whole hour and a half in a chunk. So that was pretty nice. But I'm noticing those ads break shrinking a lot. And I think, again, it's because they don't have the advertisers anymore. And I, I think... Ask, too- does it still work? Does advertising on the radio, do people listen and go out and buy it? Does that work? I'm not sure it does the same because you've got the internet now. I see iHeart's the perfect example because iHeart has built their own app. So there's banner ads within the app. Um, there's local ads within the app. If you're listening to a, if you pick a random radio station from a place that's not even your town and they go to a commercial break, it looks at whatever IP address you're listening from and it goes, okay, you are in central Florida. 
and it plays you only ads for Central Florida. So it 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 brings it back into a local thing. So I think they do better that way, or they maybe they make up the exact same amount of ads that they used to get people buying from. But in a way that I guess in the end, it makes a relief for us because they probably do half of the amount of the pools for ads on the radio because the other half is filled up by the online listeners. And that, that might be a win in the end, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it actually works, like how much money they actually pull in. I just know that I've heard before that they're having financial troubles, but then it's weird because then they're like, the iHeart Music Festival. And it's that's a festival you can't even buy tickets to. Like all it is like winning is like comped like win tickets. Like they'll give so many to the DJs themselves. And then the radio stations give away the rest. Like you can't buy an iHeart Radio Music Festival ticket. So how do they make the money? I don't know. Well, I do not I'm know. I'm in marketing with it with, with what I do, daytime job. And and it's it's fascinating to see what works and what doesn't online because you can measure every click. But I'm not sure mm-hmm. radio if it's the same, but it's an interesting subject. And I was going to say beyond radio and broadcasting, do you have any other creative interests or hobbies that influence your work on air? Uh, no, that I mean, that encompasses all of my hobbies. As far as my real job, I do a lot of technical work. So if anything, my hobbies actually inform my real job because I know I know how to automate things that like I'll go into a job and they'll be like, yeah, every month you need to go in and you need to click this and do this and watch this and do this. I'm like, wait, there's no, you can automate that. Why does I need to sit there and click all those things? Oh, you need to make sure you send this report out and you have to reform it. No, let's make it so the report can run automatically and it comes out in the right format and distributes out to people. You don't even have to email it to them. If so, if anything, that informs my actual job because I know that there's always other ways to do things. There's always better ways to do things. I certainly could with my stations sit there. Sorry, Joe Bordeaux of Sunshine 96.7. I could sit there for several hours a day and manually download files and throw them into playlists and look and make sure they're good and check off a checklist. No, I don't want to spend the time doing that. I spent a lot of time setting it up. But I can guarantee I've saved a lot of time for all of the now repetition that I no longer need to do. It's interesting. I've said to um, my presenter, could you put them into this system? And because I'm automating it. And Mm -hmm. say, oh, no, I I always do. We transfer. I've been doing it a long time and I'm not going to come away from it. And you're stuck then. You think I can't put you into the system. So you have to do it manually because you don't want to turn them down, especially if they've got a good show. But at the same time, yeah. You've got to give a bit of give and take in this, haven't you? Yeah. Although, although I can't get it to work, sync.com does have an app that you can install to your computer. For some reason, both of my computers are choking on it when I'm trying to install it. So I still have to figure that out. But once you install that, usually it makes it so that it just acts like a normal Windows drive on your computer. And then at that point, you'll be able to use automation. Okay, he has the Wii transfer, you download it to your downloads folder and then maybe have some automation that just picks it up mm-hmm. and sweeps it over to the folder, something like that. But yeah, the, my preference is definitely Dropbox. You've gotten to the point where people that will send me a Dropbox link every week. I'm like, don't you just save like you, this folder is the same every week. You do you just save a new, something new into that folder and the old one just gets moved out. They're like, yeah, I'm like, stop doing that. Just share the folder with me and my automation will, when it's time to run your show, 
I have a program that again, runs it just like a Windows drive, the Dropbox. And so it just goes into your Dropbox folder, moves it over to where I broadcast from, makes a playlist so that it runs it in the right order and done. (laughs) I love that. More people should do that. There are so many of our listeners right now, over 300 that run radio stations alone, who will be Mm -hmm. fascinated by this uh, automation. I've got one more question and then we've run out of time, but what an amazing interview. I I didn't expect this in-depth look at what you're doing. It really is incredible. What advice would you, as you're so experienced clearly, give to aspiring radio presenters or station owners who are looking to make their mark in the industry? Don't use re- don't use we transfer. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast, um, but about it. And I know this kind of goes against a little bit what you were talking about, but you still do need to bring some of yourself into your projects that you bring out. Good point. Um, because otherwise, you do just have you're just in a landscape of a lot of shows that sounds like the same person playing the same songs. Don't be afraid to bring a little bit of your personality out. Certainly don't be afraid to bring some of the more obscure song choices in, into your into your broadcasts, especially, I, you know, I don't know how UK listeners feel, but I know us as US listeners, going back again to the iHeartRadios, it's not a DJ who's playing what he thinks you should hear. He's playing what iHeartRadio has told him you should hear. And so you're every station, you're going to hear the same stuff. Um, you, so you want to set your product ahead of that. You want to make your product something that's going to be a, somebody's ears perking up going, I've never heard that before. I, who is this artist? I don't even know who this artist is. Like, I want to know more. Or I even, my even more favorite is, wow, I remember when this song first came out and I've barely heard it since because they just never got played again. Or like, oh man, when this album came out, like I listened to it front to back, like constantly. And that DJ just played like the deepest cut on that album. That was the best song, in my opinion, that they ever put out. This guy knows his stuff. This guy, if anything, I can get with this guy. I I need to listen to his show because he's probably got other stuff or she has other stuff that they're going to play. That's either going to be that kind of caliber of stuff or I completely missed it when it came out. I need to get on board with this guy. I need to listen to the show every week because there's going to be something new I'm going to hear or some old favorite that I haven't heard in forever. And it's going to be worth my time. It's going to be a great listen and stuff. <laughs> I didn't know how to end that phrase. <laughs> the whole um, session here has, has been fascinating for me and I know it will be uh, for our, our listeners. So thank you for that. If they want to contact you or listen to you, um, can you give us some details of how they could do that? Your best bet is to go to hi-fi-radio.net. That's H-I-F, as in Frank, I-radio.net. That's got all of the stations that I'm currently doing as my own projects. That's got a podcast section, which has RSS feeds, or just feeds. Uh, I won't go too down, which has feeds of all of the podcasts that I'm also either making or producing on. And then there's an Our Friends section, which has... AKA radio and many of the other stations that I am part of in some way. There's also a contact me. It's all that stuff is on that site basically. And it is made with WordPress. 
Well, and, and we'll put the all, all those details uh, with the video as well, with the audio nice. that goes out. Jason, thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it. I've been fascinated, and I know the audience will be. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for listening. For more details of any of our podcasts, please visit vinylimpressions.club. <laughs>